I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Mutant Ages. What is the Mutant Ages, Maddie? I almost called you Ryan. (laughs) Well, Maddie, it's a show where we watch every adaptation of the X-Men and we talk about who's gay and who isn't gay. And every now and then we get to watch a good episode of television. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're reading the X-Men. It goes back and forth. It depends if Wolverine is in it, which is the irony. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Back when we were young... A show that is forced to be about Wolverine. So okay, I can you please discuss this yeah, with the so, listeners? Because Maddie had a discovery. For some reason, this week was the week that I was just like, that's it. I slammed my hands down on the desk and I was like, I'm looking up some interviews with the showrunners for this show. That's good because Maddie likes to read and I don't. <laughs> I like to read. I like to read. I was I was editing the Lister Mail episode. I can't even remember which question made me think of it. I, I, I'm sure it was just something or other about like the, the switch back and forth between good and bad episodes on this show. Okay. And I was like, who's writing the good episodes, first of all, was my first question. Oh, yeah. We did that with the X-Men Evolution. So that it makes yeah. sense that you would look Although, this up. Although... To be fair, we actually did it a lot with X-Men TAS, and I I cut a lot of it out because I I don't want us to insult certain writers, and I don't really want to do that here either. So I won't say, like, you know, these are the writers we don't like. Like, people can go to Wikipedia on their own if they really want to do that, whatever. I will say, in general, Ryan and I really like Christopher Yost. There's, like, one exception, which is that Christopher Yost actually wrote the Wolverine versus Hulk episode that I sort of had a soft spot for, but Ryan really hates. But Almost every single other episode that's written by Christopher Yost, you and I really like it. Also, our listeners really like the Hulk versus Wolverine episode. It's just me. I know. It's just me. I think it's just Ryan who hates it. I thought it was pretty fun. I I mean, of course it's stupid, but I enjoyed it. And Ryan is just like, I can't with this, which is valid. You know, everybody has preferences. It's fine. First of all, we're Christopher Yost super fans. (laughs) Maybe someday we'll get to interview him. That would be really fun. And then the other person that we really like is one of the co-creators of the show who I believe is named Greg Johnson. He writes a lot of episodes as well. We really like those. Anybody outside of that square, we're kind of like, okay, eh. well, they're, they're not bad writers. I'm, they're let, not. Let's, and let's, and let's... So, so that's what I wanted to clarify. So I was looking up all these interviews with a ton of writers, not just those two guys, but like everybody for the show. And first of all, what's kind of heartbreaking about these interviews is that almost everybody who worked on Wolverine and the X-Men says it's like their favorite show they ever worked on. And that's really interesting to me because I'm like, Almost all you worked on X-Men Evolution, and that's a way better show. And I think maybe the reason why people like this show is because it kind of feels like wish fulfillment fanfic in certain ways. Like, they're skipping all the introductions to each X-Men. They just get right to the crazy stuff. They don't bother to, like, set anything up. It's just, like, throwing things at a wall and, like, smashing action figures together. And I'm sure that's really fun. 
but it's harder for the listener to follow along or care about anybody. You know what I mean? Like there's all these right. cameos. It's all just like for fans. Yeah, where's my client stock action figure? Yeah, I where's want the client stocks? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was sort of interesting to me. And the other thing that I actually copied and pasted to Ryan, I believe this was a quote from Greg Johnson. Yeah. He was talking about how they were actually told it has to be titled Wolverine and the X-Men. And it has to be about Wolverine as the leader of the X-Men because X-Men Origins Wolverine was in production Which at this time. explains everything. Maddie has theorized that was the reason for so many episodes now. Yes, definitely since that Weapon X episode with Mystique. That was the main one where I was like, this has to be a parallel because this is too similar. I mean, okay, Mystique is there instead of Silver Fox. But other than that... So much of it is the same shit, yeah. you know, like it's it's the same exact stuff we don't like or care about for Wolverine. And next week's episode, Code of Conduct, is a Silver Samurai episode. So it's going to be yet another Wolverine centric storyline that isn't going to be relevant to the larger X-Men plot line, which is right. We'll see if we think it's fun or not. It might be fun at least, but it's not going to be the part of the show that you and I like, which right. is the larger X-Men storylines that don't really involve Wolverine. He's there, but the show isn't about him in the moments we tend to like more, which is weird because we like Wolverine. It's just... Well, I I mean, questionable if we like this version of Wolverine because he's kind of a dick. Yeah, so that's the other thing that was in the quote that I showed you where they were like, how do we get Wolverine to be in charge of the X-Men? Because, like, he shouldn't be. Right. And he, he's bad at it. And they were like, so we need to take Cyclops off the board. So that's why they get rid of Gene and the pilot. Because they're like, so Cyclops needs to have a meltdown. Xavier also needs to be gone because those are the only two people. Like, those people need to be taken off the board in order for Wolverine to even be in contention for leadership. Right. But also, it still doesn't fully work because they're like, right. they still have, you have Emma, Emma and you have Storm. Storm. But it explains why Storm's not allowed to do anything on this show. Because if she did, it wouldn't be about Wolverine leading the team anymore. Correct. It would be about... Storm, Storm leading, leading the, the team. team or Emma leading the team. Exactly. So this is like actually really tragic in a way that I know like these writers, I'm sure, didn't necessarily want to put together a show that was going to be specifically about Wolverine leading the X-Men. They didn't. And it just it happens to be that way and explains why it is so all over the place, because yep. it doesn't really fit. And I feel like it's because we all had Hugh Jackman mania. And I include you and I in that. Like all of us were so obsessed with Wolverine. I still have Hugh Jackman mania. I mean, like we Honestly, have heard that who story doesn't? where I met him <laughs> and I have Jim screen Wolverine and in I his face. I didn't believe that you met yeah. him because I couldn't believe that. I don't that. even remember what episode we talked about that in, but I know that the photos are Every on Every episode before now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. It's it's just a great tragedy for this show that like they're kind of forced into a box where they were like, well, all we have as this Wolverine action figure and like many variants of him. Although something I said about that episode with the one with Mystique where they made her straight and did this whole alternate reality where she was part of Weapon X, I was like, my issue here isn't that they've swapped her out with Silver Fox. My issue here is that like it's Mystique and this is the last character that would be in love with Wolverine. But the thing is that this whole TV show is basically an alternate universe and like the past tense stuff is Unless it's about, like, the politics, it's generally, like, kind of boring and it doesn't make sense. But all the future stuff is so good. So that's why I'm like, where's the disconnect? Because obviously in the future, that's, like, an alternate reality that hasn't happened. But it's so interesting to watch. Whereas, like, this other alternate reality they've created where Wolverine's in charge of the X-Men is, like, 
really not interesting. I think it's because Wolverine isn't in the future. It's a bunch of other characters. And it's because we keep on getting distracted in the past to deal with whatever Wolverine's past bullshit is. Like it could be the mm-hmm. Hulk or Weapon X or Silver Samurai. Yep. I don't even think this is the writer's fault because I think the writers are given like a shit plate to work with. Even like the shield and like Nick Fury stuff. Like all yeah. of that is just Wolverine leaving the plot behind. And we always point it out. We're always like, where's the MRD? Where are the Sentinels? Okay, like, we're not the only ones pointing it out. Rogue is also pointing it out on this show. <laughs> yeah, She's Rogue like, is Logan. the one who shows up and knocks on the Axe Mansion door to be like, um, hello, the MRD is still kidnapping and killing mutants every day. Do <laughs> Do we give a shit? And Beast is like awkwardly closing the door like, uh, I don't know where Logan is again. The show's supposed to be about him. So he went off to do another solo episode. Sorry. <laughs> this is what the network executive said we had to do. So we need to ignore the MRD again this week. And she's like, okay, guess I'll go home and fuck Dom. Okay. You know, what's really funny is that I feel like the writers were almost purposely putting Rogan's position to voice and vocalize how annoyed they were <laughs> that they had to keep doing this. I mean, I... I don't know if they were annoyed or not. That none of them have ever actually said. I would be annoyed if it were me. I mean, I think they're happy to have worked on an X-Men TV show, period, because that would be us, too. Even if we were handed, like, an absurd thing to wrangle, we'd be like, well, Mm -hmm. at least we get to work on an official X-Men show. And that's kind of how... I feel some of these yeah. writers wind up doing it, you know, I mean, because they want to. And it's like you're adapting the same old storylines with Logan. You're still doing the freaking Silver Samurai visit to Japan stuff. You're still doing Weapon X. My memories, you're doing all of that. But you get to include some really cool concepts, which this episode, Badlands, episode 16, really fucking rad again. Like now yeah. we're back again in the future. And I will admit, I even liked the Wolverine Kitty Forge present day storyline. I thought it was fun. Yeah, me too. It's also unintentionally funny because it's like yet another scenario where Wolverine fucks up the timeline again. And I, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I thought this episode was great. I was like, if this was the whole show was just Xavier calls Logan at the beginning from the future. And he's like, okay, here's what I need you to fix. And then Logan fucks something else up. Like I would want <laughs> a hundred episodes of that because it's so great like legit it's great i understand the stakes i love the characters the dialogue is hilarious everyone is so in character kitty is hilarious in this episode also this show finally makes bishop into a badass which you and i kept dming about yeah because he's so fucking cool (laughs) like i love (laughs) him and this isn't from the comics because bishop during the comics during this time period this is like peak bishop is an asshole time period right oh yeah it's like right before i mean okay let's clarify that you mean not in his comic book history and like just literally at the time that this show was coming out what was happening in the comics in 2008 so Yeah, I'm trying to remember when exactly the period of time was that Bishop keeps trying to kill Hope when she's a baby. It's around now. It might be a little bit later, like 2011, 2010, maybe. Yeah. But it's like Bishop is not having a good comic book arc. (laughs) Like he is being very impulsive and annoying. And a lot of people in comic books fandom are saying that. So it, it doesn't matter. The po- My point is Bishop's fucking rad on the show. And I think this is the first time we've ever gotten to see that. And that's really refreshing. Yeah, me too. I, I, I mean, like, 
X-Men the Animated Series, he was... Ugh. You know what? I'm, I mean, we enjoyed watching it, to be, oh, to okay, be clear. Also, to be fair, on X-Men the Animated Series, everyone's a little silly, so it's oh, not yeah, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. far off that he would also be silly. It's very but funny, yeah. I, I, yeah. Kind of, I honestly wonder if they're going to keep that tone in the new show or not, but we'll find out. Anyway, before we even start this episode... Maddie, what was the other discovery I had? I'm just going to say it. Oh, my God, say it. Oh, my God. I forgot I was like about this, too. Working, I was literally working, and I don't know why I thought about this, and I messaged Maddie because I just thought about it. I'm like, so, like, what happened to Colossus? He was in the first episode presented as part of the X-Men, and then I realized he's never in the show again. He literally and never it, comes and back. And he doesn't come back. And I'm like, why did they introduce him? And I why? think it's because in season two, they were going to do a whole thing with him and Magic because they did confirm Magic was going to be there. But why even bother introducing him? They did 26 <laughs> full episodes, and they <laughs> never go back to him. Ever. It's just like, Beast is like, oh, well, you know. Colossus is staying in Russia with his sister. Anyway. They don't even show that conversation. They don't even show Beast calling Colossus and like have the voice actor come back and do more Colossus lines being like, I'm in Russia. I can't get out. Ileana and I are trying to figure out a way back to America. Whatever. They literally don't show him ever again. (laughs) Why did they even have him in that pilot episode? Like this, this part I don't know. I'm like, did they write the three pilot episodes or four? I can't remember what it is totally separately before they even had the whole series mapped out maybe because they were on crunch time i don't know i'm just wildly speculating here i don't know it's just really funny because i was like wait a second where is colossus and then it's like he doesn't come back he literally doesn't come back because i was like wait a second we're like more than halfway through the show this is how disorganized this show feels to me where it's like you're just randomly introducing a character and they never matter it's like what the fuck is the point of this okay so actually i think this is why i like the future story lines better is because yeah in the concentration camps they have for the mutants in the future we'll see a bunch of random mutants there but once when they've broken out it's been pretty consecutively xavier marrow hellion bishop and domino yeah and that's it we're not focusing on anybody else that's kind of like the future x-men right and then they'll they'll have an episode where those five characters run into another character yeah which in this case it's going to be polaris which is great i think it works and like then they can bring those characters back and i really like the dynamic of that team they've got a really diverse mix of powers everybody's really useful the personality clashes are really fun like it's like this is the future x-men and they sort of contrast with the past x Men. It's also a future where like Xavier is still kind of a douchebag. Yeah, but like and Bishop is in charge of the team, which is way better. Right. For like a thousand reasons. <laughs> That's because Xavier in the future basically has no power. Like, you know, I mean, I know that Master Mold wants him, but he can't control robots. So yep. it makes things very different. And he may be able to walk now, sort of, which we'll discover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his his metal robot legs. Right. Yeah. But like he can't do anything that he typically does when he has money. And now he's yep. in a world where like money doesn't matter. It doesn't exist also, or matter. Like people are dead except for some mutants. And so like yeah. all of his rich ass bullshit no longer applies to his life. So, it, I mean, he's still kind of douchey. And no one takes him seriously. And everybody's like, God, old man, shut the fuck up. Like, what are you doing? It's interesting. Right. It's now interesting. he's just rich boy trying to survive the apocalypse. And it's, it honestly makes them far more interesting to watch. It does. It really does. And there were also some moments in this episode when genuinely I was like, this is like a pretty interesting portrayal of a disabled character. Like him negotiating the metal legs and stuff is like a really big plot point in this episode. And 
I don't know. I kind of liked it. I mean, I'd be curious to hear from like disabled listeners what they think about this. But like, this is one of the first episodes maybe ever that really shows Xavier's disability and his assistive technology as like a big part of how he's negotiating the world, you know? And I just thought that was interesting. I agree. I agree. It was pretty good. Um, So I guess we do previously on the X-Men now that we've talked to 18 minutes about all this other research (laughs) that we've done. But past that bullshit, uh, let's talk about previously on the X-Men. I feel like there's a lot going on here. So basically we're in the future where we know that the Sentinels have taken over and Xavier's been sending messages to the past to Wolverine, who was leading the X-Men for some reason other than the network wanted that. And <laughs> Xavier says he has to lead the X-Men. Right. And he's trying to figure out what events he can change in the past to yep. make the future not be about the Sentinels. And the future, it's pretty grim. And also in the past, Magneto has an island nation full of mutants or mutants are allowed to live freely. But Magneto has been doing some sort of shady political shit with Senator Kelly, where Senator Kelly has been capturing mutants for the MRD and then sending them to Magneto. So that's why but not like, all of them. And Magneto yeah. has sort of figured out that Senator Kelly's also fucking him over. And so Magneto's basically like, all right, I'm going to start a war with humans because this was not the agreement we had. And mm-hmm. that's important to this plot. We're going to discover in this episode. Also, Lorna is a little teenage girl who lives with Magneto on Genosha. That's important too. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say she's like not a villain in the past, but she kind of is in the future, which, checks out for Lorna yep. and also in the past they're trying to figure out what has made these sentinels evolve because in each episode in the future we discover like new sentinels and that yeah. the sentinels have also merged with humans they've been assimilated like the Borg yeah so humans are all cyborgs now right and I think this is also the first episode where we actually see the future change would you agree with that like I guess the Sentinels in this episode are actually notably different and all the characters are reacting to that because of something that Wolverine has done in the past. Right. So that's this is, I think, the first time that we get our question answered, which is like, is the future changing in real time? There's one timeline. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all the characters are watching it change. And for some reason, they all remember the other version of world that part I mean, doesn't make any sense no, okay but. so here's my theory is that they do have these sentinels that are based on wolverine's dna but they hadn't encountered them yet but like right like they've already existed in that future universe see i don't think that's true i'm saying i think they didn't exist before i don't know i mean the other option that i love from our listener mail is that xavier keeps on yes. downloading his memories into like a past version of xavier i now think that's true i now think that's legit true like kind of like days of future past the movie when yeah, they were sending kind of, kitty because yeah. kitty magically had time traveling psychic powers in that movie so yeah it's kind of like that i mean they don't show it in this episode so maybe they don't have it anymore but they have this like portable cerebro that they're like carrying around as a backpack and like maybe xavier was somehow using a combination of that and like everybody else's brains to like store data and he's like okay this is the data about where we're at now i'm gonna go call wolverine in the past and tell him some information and then when i come back 
the future will have changed and we're all going to like have this save point that tells us what happened. That's right. how I have to believe it's happening because otherwise it makes no fucking sense. So I'm just going to believe that Xavier's doing that because it actually helps me enjoy the show more to just believe that because otherwise I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what? right. So thanks to that listener for giving me a way to like understand this show. Anyway, I guess we should talk about this episode now that we're half an hour into the podcast. Uh, oh my God, we can't get to it, which is weird because we loved it. Yeah, this is a good episode. So, it's the future 20 is it 20 years i don't think it's 20 yes it's 20 years which i actually really like that it's 20 because it's a really short time period right okay so it's 20 years in the future the future is grim the world is falling apart xavier can walk now and so (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the real weird things about it that's how you know his shit's really weird xavier's walking so we see xavier's robot legs he's running through the apocalypse and monsters are chasing. We don't see who they are yet. Yeah. And Helene and Meryl are running with Xavier as well. And we finally get a glimpse of them. And they are these like big kind of dog slash crab like beings that are shooting laser beams. And Helene shoots his powers at them. This is just a fight scene where they're all running and, and like tripping over shit and like barely making yeah, it. Yeah, there's also like a sentinel that looks like a jaguar now. Yeah, they look kind of animalish now. It's kind of cool. Right. So then there's this moment where Xavier like trips on something and falls down. And then Bishop suddenly appears out of nowhere and leaps in front of Xavier to like absorb a laser beam. Right. And Xavier's like, what are those? And Bishop's like, I don't know. I've never seen him before. This is what I mean when I'm like, I think the future changed. Okay, I say At some point before this. Um, And then Domina shows up because she's with Bishop and she shoots at everything and Bishop is leading everyone away and Dom is like staying behind. By the way, this is the first time I noticed Domino's sweet haircut. Somehow I missed this in the other episode. You mean her super dyke haircut? She has a super dykey haircut. I love it. She has an undercut and like a side swoop. It's not dissimilar to a haircut that I had fairly recently. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, So Domino is living her best queer life and she looks fucking incredible and she's shooting at everybody and Bishop is like, don't be a hero, Dom. Let's get out of here. And Marrow is also uh, has an amazing haircut, by the way. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that she just throws a bone in Sentinel and bounces off like it does nothing. I and Marrow's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then Dom and Marrow run away together. And I ship them now, by the way, because they like are hugging here. And it's cute. Oh, it is cute. OK, but hold on. This next scene is actually super cool. Where Bishop finds this warehouse. And he kicks the doors open. Yeah. They're doing this whole horror thing, which they do a lot yeah. on the show. Where they like kick down the door and it's silent and then they barricade it and it's totally silent and the camera's panning around them and they're all like making faces at each other maybe we're okay yeah but also like there's no sound it's just them listening silently with no music with like the sound of something creeping on the walls and you see yeah their faces which is like it's really cool i thought it was like one of the best parts of this episode is that they do these horror like they play with the horror trope and i think that Works really well for the future. Yeah. They show you how fucking scary the Sentinels are. Like, they're legit so scary on this show. Right. So scary. You know, I don't know. So then one crashes to the ceiling. And then it pops its claws because this is a Wolverine Sentinel. Right. And then it's like time for the dramatic, symphonic version of X-Men, the animated series. So it's like, it's like. Yeah, I really like 
this intro. I've gotten so attached to it. It's so fucking dramatic, and I really love it. It's like over the top. I don't know. I, know, I still like, I like X Men Evolutions version of the X Men thing, where it's like, yeah, and it like looks like a Skechers commercial, and like everything is like <laughs> puffy paints and like baggy cargo pants. So good, so good. Anyway, <laughs> back in the present day, after the credits, it's it's yep. foggy outside. We're at an MRD base. What else is new? It's like the only thing we do here. We're at an MRD base on the docks because this is a show where we're always on the docks. This is Batman the Animated <laughs> Series and there's going to be like a shady drug deal that goes down that Batman's going to break in and be like, where's some Italian mob boss? Where's Falcone? And then like, Falcone. Yeah. Anyway, so Wolverine and Kitty and Forge are like swimming up to this place. They're also wearing X-Force gear from the comics, which is really super cool because this is around the time that they started doing that X-Force series where Wolverine was in that Black Ops team that was like led... Well, it wasn't led by Cyclops, but it was assigned by Cyclops or Cyclops was like, you just need to kill some people. And Logan's like, cool, I can do that. Yeah, this is a pretty hardcore outfits for everybody. Everybody looks really cool. They're all wearing black. So then we get like some shots of them sneaking into this facility. And it turns out it's not a prison. It's a factory, a sentinel factory. Right. And they like are watching the robot assembly line. And Forge has all these lines where he's like TB9 conduits with optic relay junctions. And then he like says all this other shit. So is this the first time that we've actually seen that the MRG is working exclusively with the Sentinels, because the last time we were in yes. a Sentinel warehouse, it was just like a Sentinel warehouse. And Trask was there with fucking Sybil Zane, who was like driving her car into the warehouse. Yeah, I don't think there's been a point in time where we saw that these two were exclusively working together. I think it's been hinted at through Warren's dad. Um, I think Sybil Zane was on the phone with Senator Kelly a couple times. Remember that? And she oh, yeah, was like... Right. We're we're getting money for the Sentinels and stuff like that. So we did know those things were connected, but you're right that this is the first time we're now seeing just regular MRD cops with their auto machine guns just walking around patrolling, guarding what is a Sentinel production line. Like, it's a huge amount of Sentinels being made. Oh, you know what? I think it's because they didn't have the full funding until very recently with the last episode, I think, where I think you're right. It wasn't the last episode, but it was pretty recent where they had Magneto and Senator Kelly had their little bitch fit in Senator Kelly's office, and then they both gave different speeches about how they had to be on You're alert right. about mutants and vice versa and that's when senator and that kelly was how senator kelly got the funding secured right. to make sentinels okay, so now so he's officially making sentinels as opposed right. to just calling trask on the phone being like hey honey can you make more stuff to kill the mutants and I trask know. is like okay well, also we have to just go ahead and assume at this point any mutant who gets captured at this point is now going to not be sad not going to genosha. genosha yeah right so now it is a far more terrifying premise it's like basically it doesn't look anything different on the outside to people who are living in that world they're like they didn't think that mutants were being sent to genosha anyway yeah but now we know that it's worse because the war has begun which is very like that's actually very real like say you're in the lgbtq community and like shit's really bad for you and then like the public finds out it's bad but at that point it's actually worse than it was and people are now expressing concern they're like oh we got to help you with your rights and we're like uh yeah. It's already been bad. It's just that now you've noticed and now it's even worse. I don't know. It's the, it, I felt like that works for this. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. so going back to this episode, Kitty faces them into this terrifying sentinel warehouse. It's kind of horror again because they have these sentinels that are not fully put together. So it's just like the torso that's been ripped apart of the sentinel hanging from the ceiling. And it's like slowly being constructed with all these like cables dangling down and everything. Yeah. And then Ford's is standing up there. And this is when they do that thing on TV shows where they make up a bunch of words that aren't real. He's, he's yeah. like... That's the hyper refibrillator technodrome. I don't even know what he fucking said. I was like, I'm not writing this down because he said it for like a full 15 seconds of made up words. And I was like, I don't know what any of that means. And I'm pretty sure it's not real. So yeah. And so Forge is basically just pointing at this huge metal cylinder being like, that's the MacGuffin we need to download data from. And Logan is like, okay, whatever. And then we like watch them do a stealth mission. He, He literally points at a machine and he's like, that's the hyperdrive, techno, <laughs> organic, super speed thing. And it's just a computer. I'm like, just it's, it's, I'm like, just say it's a computer, dude. Like, it's literally a computer with a screen and a keyboard and a mouse. I don't know why you called it anything else but a computer, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they all silently do a stealth mission over to get there. And then Forge goes over to it and, like, takes out a Game Boy to plug into it and, like, download the data. Well, yeah, they do this whole thing where they, like, drop from the ceiling Mission Impossible style. So then Kitty and Logan are, like, whispering to each other. And Kitty's like, why didn't we just call the other X-Men and trash this place? And Logan's like, because that'll just slow them down. We need to shut them down. And we can't do that until we know we're fighting. Which is true. Logan's actually right about that. He actually is right. He is right, except whatever. He's going to fuck up later. Anyway, so (laughs) Forge, Forge is like looking at his Game Boy and he's like, I've never seen encoding this advanced. And Logan is like, just download what you can. We'll crack it later. And then he looks at Kitty and he's like, if this goes bad, get Forge out of here and don't wait for me. And Kitty's like, what the fuck? What do you, what does that even mean? And then Logan just for some reason like jumps out. Why does he do this? Literally why? I think there's a guy coming their way, but Kitty could have just grabbed him and phased him into the wall. And that would have been that. Like instead Logan's like. Kitty could have phased all of them down into the floor for a second and then like brought them back out again so that Forge could finish downloading stuff. There were so many other options here and like Logan's just like I'm just gonna jump out into the middle of the room and be like dear bub it's me the Wolverine the one you've been looking for and And then like 500 soldiers are attacking Wolverine like suddenly and it's like why is this happening now why and just watching this and she's like all right we need to leave and and fucking Forge is like but I'm not done downloading this to my Game Boy it's (laughs) like he's using the little cable when you could connect Game Boys that way and trade Pokemon yeah he's using the link cable yeah. and he's like trading Pokemon with the Sentinel and he's like there's so many weird robot Pokemon in here and Kitty's like oh my god dude. I know Kitty's like we don't have time for this so she just grabs them and phases them out of the room. Meanwhile Logan is still fighting like a thousand guards and like killing them in cold blood and Trask is just in the background like this again and she just like <laughs> silently stands up and like flips a huge switch and like turns on one of the half built sentinels which is like really fucking freaky looking like we were saying it's like yes. just a torso hanging from the ceiling in the process of being built and it like lifts up its arm and like fires a beam at Logan and like craters him into the floor oh yeah and then Trask walks over to Logan's body and is like let's get a full body scan and see what the famous Wolverine is really made of which like Logan you just changed the fucking future by doing this shit, bro. I, I can't believe he did that. Yeah. Why did he This was even, stupid. Why? <laughs> why? However, it's extremely in character, and that's why I like this episode. Because it's like, 
Logan is doing a bad job. Again. He's causing problems again. It's very entertaining to watch. Logan does fall with his ass up in the air, and I was like, mm, I don't know why. Absolutely. He always does that. Why you're doing that? Uh... <laughs> But okay, uh, did you just think that Trask was going to come over and stick it in you right now? I don't know why he always falls face down. Like always. He's always just like face planting onto things and being like, oh, whoopsie, my gorgeous ass is in the air again. Anyway. <laughs> so then we go back to the future and they're fighting the Wolverine Sentinel. I mean, it like kind of looks like a dog, too. It's like a dog jaguar. It's a Wolverine. Yes. And everyone's using their powers. Yep. And Bishop is fucking awesome. Bishop manages to, <laughs> he does this whole thing where nobody else can fight it. And he slides over and he like pulls a gambit where he has taken all the force that he's sucked into himself. Absorbed. Yeah. yeah and it charges it into the Sentinel and blows it up. And then it falls down. And to which Xavier finally goes, wait a second. <laughs> Are those Wolverine's claws? And Bishop is like, yeah, the Sentinel's a lot like my ex-boyfriend. And then the robot fucking heals itself. Okay, wait, wait. But that's actually, it's another horror scene. Yes. Where it's like, it goes silent for a second and it starts making these creepy like. Clicking noises. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that it starts healing and like. Putting itself back together. It's. But like in a very clippy, how, I don't know how the best way to describe this. Like shaky kind of way where yeah. he's gyrating a little bit, coming back to life. It's like a fucking Silent Hill nurse, like reconstructing. Yeah. Yes, itself. that's the best way to describe it. And then Bishop is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking creepy. Yeah, and then like a bunch of the Sentinels burst through the wall. Yep. And thankfully, Hellion's actually strong enough to blockade them. Hellion is so powerful, by the way. Well, he is in the comic books, too. He's actually like legitimately a really cool character. So like he creates a barrier in the hallway as they're like running, running, running towards the exit. And then they get to the exit and Xavier is like, what the fuck is this shit? And like we get to see the exit and it's like it's the Badlands, Bishop calls it, but it's basically the desert and it's on fire. There's like this huge tornado in the distance, which we're going to learn more about later. Well, basically, it's the desert from the Super Mario Brothers movie when they get out of the city and they're just like in the desert. They're like, where are we? Well, this is where the people don't go. The dinosaurs don't come out here <laughs> or the mushroom. Yeah. So I assume that this electromagnetic storm in the desert was caused by Polaris, but I'm now realizing the episode doesn't confirm that. I don't know if that's what caused it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's funny. The second you see it, you first go, is that going to be Storm? Yes. But it's not. I it's think not. it already showed a, a gravestone for Storm at the beginning of this, didn't well, it? Well, right, because Storm destroyed Africa, remember? Because in this version oh, of reality. Right. But that already didn't happen. So shouldn't she be back again? I don't know. That's the part I'm like, I wish they would keep updating the future more. But whatever. Uh, anyway, whatever. I think Polaris did something to cause this electromagnetic storm. Probably to protect herself from the Sentinels, because the Sentinels can't come out here because of the storm, because it destroys them. Right. We do see that. So I'm going to I'm going to go with my original theory, even though the episode doesn't confirm it, because I think it's cooler. I think Polaris created the Badlands. And so that's why she's living yeah. out there by herself. Well, it's pretty cool. Well, we're going to find out what the Badlands actually is, though. It's yeah. Because it's actually go ahead and spoiling this, but it's going to be. Genosha like it's the yeah. it's the island of Genosha now a desert and it's become the Badlands yeah like there's no water anymore on the entire right. fucking planet exactly Bishop is like nobody goes to the Badlands not even the Sentinels lucky us let's go I love his lines he's so fucking cool on this show he's just yeah I don't know he's just like I don't give a fuck anymore about anything and that's just the energy of every single line that he has so they all start running 
And then they stop and turn around and they see the Sentinels are like NPCs running into an invisible wall. Like they're like weirdly shuffling around. I love the animation here where it's just like they look like weird video game characters. It's so creepy. Uh, You know what's really funny is that I actually thought about that too. I was like... Every single time we're in the future, I feel like we're playing a video game where we're going in sequence and it's like we get to one Mm -hmm. area, we battle a bunch of guys and then there's like a boss fight and then you like go further and you keep on hacking and slashing to the next area. And then you like get to the cave and it's like a save point. You watch a cutscene with your friends and you're like, okay, right. Let's all have beef jerky. And then you like put in more ethers in there and you're like, maybe it can fight Sephiroth beef jerky. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so they're standing there and they're in the desert and the sentinels do come to the edge and they stop and then their eyes all glow creepily and it goes master mold is overruling this it's like they're now allowed to go into the desert yeah like we hear her voice like over the loudspeaker and she's like protocol overruled proceed and then the invisible wall disappears and the robot wolverines just charge towards the future x-men and everybody's like Oh, fuck. And it goes to a commercial break and they all die. And then on this commercial break, it's like a bus and it's X-Men Evolution and Kurt Wagner pops over to Kitty and he's like, hey, Kitty, listen to this cool jam by the Descanso Rivers. And he like pulls out like a little boombox and pushes play and then nothing happens and he looks super sad and Evan comes around he's like, yo, dude, you gotta charge your batteries. Here's some cool Gambit batteries. They keep you supercharged and play up to 24 hours of music without going dead. And they put it in and it charges and blows up. And that's the commercial. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. So we come back. Everybody's still running away from the robot Wolverines. Obviously the Wolverines are going to outrun them, but then we see this electromagnetic storm and it's like a huge amount of lightning bolts, like swirling around. I knew that it was going to be, somehow related to Polaris. But now that you made this point, it may not actually be Polaris, but I just assumed it was. I think it is. I think it is. Even though they don't say that. Yeah. and But at the time, I was like, I I know you hadn't watched it yet, so I didn't want to get your hopes up with Storm. I was like, just so you know, this is going to be Polaris. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I love Polaris too, but I just wish Storm got to do more. Me too. Than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Anything she gets to do on the show currently. So any sort of... Uh, metal object basically gets magnetized and doesn't really work. So Xavier's legs are now magnetized and they're like, I don't know, they're sort of glowing with this electricity because that's how they're showing that. Yeah. And so he can't walk anymore. And Domino's guns suddenly start sticking to the ground, which is a cool shot where she's like trying to pick them up and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But the good news is the robots also can't walk anymore. So we see them like crawling and then sort of disintegrating. Right. So then uh, finally the robots like just in time all collapse as they're like about to reach our heroes. And it's a cool set of animation. There's something we could say about this episode it is the animation is really good oh yeah so then xavier is like i thought you said they wouldn't come out here which is just obnoxious like xavier like shut up obviously bishop didn't think they would and bishop is like they don't at least not till now and bishop like carries xavier from here by the way um and domino's like master mold must really want you and Mero is like, can we please get the fuck out of here because the robot pieces are like powering up again but they're actually powering up because Polaris is grabbing them from far away. Right. Which we don't know. We don't yet. know what's going on, but we think it's maybe Magneto. We're like, why are all these pieces of metal flying away? And then suddenly Xavier starts getting pulled away because his his metal legs are still on. 
And he just whispers, oh, no, because he thinks I I assume he thinks it's Magneto. <laughs> He's just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Xavier just starts flying away really fucking fast. Yeah. He just fucking gets yeeted away into the desert. And like Hellion tries to grab it with this telekinesis, but he still gets late. sucked away in this horror. F- it's again, another horror scene where it's like terrifying to watch. And then they kind of look at each other and Hellion's like, okay. I'm going to just fly the fuck after whatever just happened. Yeah, this is another classic moment where there's almost no dialogue at all. And it's just the characters looking at each other and then Hellion flies all of them to follow Xavier. And it's like awesome because you don't really need any dialogue there, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. But before we get into any of this, we go back to Kitty and Logan and Forge for a bunch of scenes that are, are just kind of incredible. They really are. <laughs> Honestly, they really because, are. Like, Kitty and Forge are hiding outside and Kitty's like, okay, uh, you need to stay here and I'm going to go back inside. And Forge is like, but I thought Logan said not to go back inside. And Kitty's like, he did, but I don't listen to him because he's kind of an idiot. And also, so are you. So she shoves him into a van and she's like, you just stay here until I get back. And then she goes inside, but apparently she shoved him into an MRD van, which is really funny. Yeah, with two guys in the front of it staring at Forge, which is really it's so funny. funny Cause later on, Kitty's just like, Forge, I can't even believe you got caught. And I was like, Kitty, you did that. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because it's just Kitty being really impulsive and being like, whatever, just get in this van suddenly. And Forge is like, what? I mean, honestly, she's doing a stealth mission with Kitty Pride makes sense because, like, she could just phase away. Kitty should have done this by herself. <laughs> yeah, honestly, she has know-how. Like, I know Forge is supposed to be the super smart one, but so is Kitty. Yeah. Kitty Pride is canonically a very smart character. So I want to see more of that on this show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, inside, Logan has been strapped to a table and he's getting a body scan, which is like doing an x-ray. And Trask is like kind of like rubbing one out, being like, ooh, your x-ray is presenting me that your bones are adamantium and that's not a mutation. Yeah. I thought this was going to be important because they have like a GoPro in the corner that's like filming them, but it doesn't ever come back to that. So I guess it's just them filming that <laughs> yeah i guess so i mean i i think it's just supposed to be creepy that like all of this is also being filmed but you're right i thought maybe like somebody was watching the security footage but it's no one we know I, maybe maybe it's master mold for all we know or mr sinister it's probably mr sinister okay that would be more believable to me is that mr sinister is there taping it he's like i'm gonna put this on tv and call it wolverine in the x-men <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Trask is all intrigued by Logan's healing ability. Mm-hmm. Kitty's phasing into the hallway and she sees that the MRG have forged and she just rolls her eyes. She's like, <laughs> oh my God. And she's like, seriously, what the fuck? Uh, and then it goes back to Logan and this awesome scene where the dudes start just dropping through the floor yeah. that are guarding him. And it's so good. It's so good. Because then Kitty just like phases up with her arms crossed. She's like, next time, let's just trash the place. And Logan's like, I kind of remember telling you not to wait for me. And Kitty's like, yeah, and now look at you. And Logan just goes, <laughs> good point, which is very funny. <laughs> and Kitty's like, come on, we have to rescue Forge now. And it's like really funny that she's so sarcastic and annoyed. <laughs> and yeah. Logan is like, Forge? But didn't I? And Kitty's like, don't ask. <laughs> and I don't even know what Logan was going to say there. Like, I guess he was imagining that both of them would wait outside for him. It's just Logan repeatedly being like, I thought you two were just going to wait outside like good kids. And Kitty's like, I was hoping you wouldn't get caught, but we all know you can't do that. So I came back and got you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like Logan. Very much what they, yeah, I don't know. And then Kitty goes to free uh, Forge. She sticks her head into the cell. this little prison cell and then grabs him 
And then they're leaving, and Kitty just goes, is there anything else we, you two would like to do while we're here? Test their alarm system, get a job application. It's so like, funny. I loved her, like, sarcastic monologuing down the hallway. It's great. Well, it's Kitty. It's so Kitty part to be like, honestly, you're all bullshit. Like, this is not this complicated. Every Like, I think Kitty is very aware, even in the comic books, that... Everything the X-Men does, it does not need to be as complicated as it turns out to be for the X-Men. So, I know. Like, I know. Anyway, back in the future, they are in the Badlands. Uh, there's a weird, like, red fortress made in metal, but it's like... I think it's actually the Golden Gate Bridge, because it's red. It's like pieces of a bridge. It could be. I mean, it could be whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't think it really matters what it was, because it's no longer that, and half the world's been destroyed anyway. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much Resident Evil, the movies, where it just keeps on getting more apocalyptic. It's pretty fucking cool, honestly. Yeah, and we don't really know. It's very video gamey, where it's like this half-deconstructed city, but you don't really know what it is yet. Not until later. Mm-hmm. And it's been, like, taken apart and rebuilt by somebody with metal powers into, like, this weird abomination of a castle. Yeah. It's fucking cool. Meanwhile, Xavier is hanging upside down from the ceiling. Yeah, and like it does a whole Star Wars thing when Luke's attached to the ceiling. I think it's I think it's very specifically drawing from that. Like I think that was intentionally done to compare those two things, where they're like, "Here's two psychic characters stuck to the ceiling," mm-hmm. you know. So he detaches himself from his metal legs because he's yeah. trying to free himself. Except there's only so much he can do once he's detached, because now he has to like crawl along the floor, and he's sort of massaging his legs and being like, "Okay." Um, And then he sees somebody walking in the distance with a cloak. And a Magneto helmet. And he whispers Magneto, and it's like, what? And we get a dramatic commercial break here. He's kind of hoping, yeah. I know. The commercial that we're now watching is like Teddy Ruxpin, except it's (laughs) Beast instead. (laughs) Okay, I would love that. And it's like, he's like Beast telling a story that goes on and is really long-winded, and he keeps going. And it's like the adventures of him and his like really weird friends. And it's like... Something that he, like, concocted through some sort of high fever dream. He's like, I smoked a lot of weed and saw... I, like, legit want Beast to read me my audiobooks now. Like, I want Beast to read Neuromancer to me or whatever. Like, (laughs) I fucking want that shit so bad. Why did you... He's like, hello, it is me, Hank McCoy, also known as Beast. Today, I'm going to tell you a story. We are going to read Hamilton. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then we come back from that commercial for a product that tragically doesn't exist, and Xavier is like, Eric, you saved me! Oh my god! I love you! And Lorna turns around and is like, no, my father is dead. She actually says she's dead, which the show has not done before. I know, they don't use the word dead. Destroyed disintegrated what's the one that wanda keeps on saying she's like says neutralized neutralized (laughs) how much was like really quite a word but no now he's actually dead yeah and this is so good they really saved saved it for just this moment i mean i think they only get to say things a certain number of times and so this conversation is pretty good too by the way it is and Xavier's like, Lorna, what's happened to you? And she like starts kind of turning away and Xavier's like Lorna and she just goes i'm polaris now and yeah Xavier actually respects this, which I really appreciated. 
He's like, okay, yeah, thank God. I'll call you by your mutant name. Well, also, like, again, it's Xavier in the future where all his fucking bullshit no longer matters. So now he's kind yeah. of forced in a situation where he has to not be a douchebag a lot of the time. He has to actually respect other people. Also, right. like, clearly she's kidnapped him, so he's just kind of like, okay. I know, right? Although later on, immediately, he's like, I need to go into her head, but we'll get there when we get <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, we will. Um, So he's like, you're all alone here, aren't you? And Polaris is like, do not talk to me as if you care. You were my father's enemy. Uh, but that's what Xavier's like, Polaris, your father and I were never enemies. We were boyfriends. <laughs> and she's like, but you hated him. And Xavier's like, no, he was the love of my life. We just broke up because I disagreed so strongly with what he was doing. Yeah. And Polaris is like, what? Protecting mutants? The humans you protected, they destroyed everything. Facts. Yep. And Facts. Xavier's like, um, <laughs> it's not that simple, Polaris. And she's like, yes, it is. And I was like, yes, it and is. It's just like, just a full 360. And Lauder's like, time to kill the motherfucking shit out of Xavier. And I was yes. like, yes, like, let it happen. She like rips metal on the ground and wraps it around in Xavier. She creates like this scorpion tail and is about to cut his throat. I'm like, damn, I love how it just goes from zero to a hundred in two seconds where Polaris is like, no, I fucking hate you. Time to die. And I was like, damn, girl. I mean, she's pretty epic here. How can you not love Magneto's kids? They're all like this, by the way. They like go from zero to 60 at any given moment. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> cool because it's like clearly she has blamed not only the humans, but also Xavier for the downfall of the world. And I mean... She's not wrong. You kind of get it. You kind of get it. But then, unfortunately, she doesn't manage to do this. She also has this moment where she's hesitating here. I don't know if she really would have killed Xavier because she's sort of standing there, like, hesitating. I kind of wonder if she was just going to torture her food before she ate it situation. I don't know. We'll never know because Bishop shows up to save Xavier and shoots her in the back. And Hellion uses his telekinesis to, like float Xavier away to safety. Okay, but then, like, Lorna just, just starts screaming and, like, metal flies around her Magneto style and it's so crazy. And then she creates a sentinel yeah. with all her made-up pieces and Mara's just like, um, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> So she like slowly is putting together like a boot and then it like becomes a leg and then it's like a hand and it's like this sentinel is slowly being built in front of them and everybody's just watching it like, well, we're going to die. Like, it's fucking amazing. Like, it's so cool to watch this happen. And the sentinel is just like, destroy. (laughs) And like Bishop shoots it and like knocks off a part of the sentinel's faceplate and Lorna just like lifts up her hand to like move the faceplate and like brush <laughs> Put it all back of them aside. Place. Well, first she like brushes the the X-Men aside. Oh, that's right. And then puts it back on the sentinel's face again. And Xavier's like, "Polaris, please don't do this." And there's like these shots of everybody trying to use their powers on the Sentinel and it doesn't fucking do anything. Like Hellion yeah. passes out because it's like not well, working. Like, Domino doesn't have any guns. Mm-hmm. Mero's got her little bone boomerang that's not doing anything. Hellion is grabbed by the Sentinel and the Sentinel is like squeezing him. And yeah. Bishop is out of juice because he has to have energy or somebody punch him for his energy to build up. And like that's not happening here. Mm-hmm. So Xavier's like, listen, you have to attack Lorna. I mean, I don't like what he does afterwards, but he's not wrong. He's like kind of like Navi a little bit where all the characters are trying to fight this kid. And eventually the computer's like, I'm going to tell you how to beat the boss because you're not doing it. Like, obviously, <laughs> don't hit this thing. Yeah. Hit he's the like, person 
get her helmet off because she's the one (laughs) controlling the sentinel so meryl makes a boomerang and then domino grabs it and is like i got this and she like uses (laughs) her luck powers to like throw the boomerang and it like hits a couple corners and then hits polaris's helmet just perfectly to knock it off honestly great yeah i love domino domino's really cool (laughs) xavier obviously uses his powers to like immediately as the helmet comes off he's like i have to go in your head right now and it's like oh my god xavier there's other ways we can i mean this is how they win i don't know it's weird because it's like i don't know if he okay xavier in this particular case doesn't really do any damage he doesn't like try and stop her yeah he goes in and like finds out what's going through her brain at that time i don't think it's one of those scenarios where it could it could be read this way where it's what he did with Magneto in episode two of X-Men, the animated series or three, where he just made Magneto relive the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You could be doing that to Lorda here, but I actually think it's Xavier going into her mind to be like, what's going on? And immediately seeing this horrific scene that I was like, this is not for children because it's Genosha, but Genosha is burning. It's mm-hmm. falling apart. There are like corpses on the ground. People are screaming. There are well, so there crying. are like some shots that are like at the end of that Toy Story movie where they're about to like go into the furnace and they all look at each other and they're like, I guess we're going to die. Yeah. They do a lot yeah. of shots like that where like Genosha's burning and people can't escape in time. So they like show us some of the characters we've already seen, like, um, Pixie's there and like Squid Boy, Sammy and his mom and Dazzler's there. And like each of them like are running away from the fire at first as it's spreading and then realizing they're trapped and stopping and just having that peaceful calm come over them where they're like, I'm going to die. And they just like hold hands with whoever, whatever mutant is closest to them. And then they die. And like, yeah, that's it's like terrifying. What we're watching is each, <laughs> yeah. each of our, our beloved characters dying horribly burning to (laughs) death and then we get to the castle and magneto is like sobbing looking out the window waiting to Uh, die and lorna walks up and is like father i don't understand why is this happening and magneto's like i'm so sorry it wasn't supposed to be this way i failed you i failed all of us but you sweet lorna you shouldn't have to pay and then he's like taking off his helmet and he's like, I want you to get into the sub levels, go as deep as you can. And he's like putting the helmet and the cape on her. And like at yeah. first she's like, what about you? And then as he's doing that, she's like, wait, no, I want you to come with me. And is like crying because she's realizing that he's like sacrificing himself. It's sad. It's actually a really sad scene. It is. <laughs> he could have gone with her, but I think it's like. He has a moral objection to that. Like politically, he's like, I need to die with my people, but yeah. I'm going to save one person and it's Lorna. And well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, does. he's like that with Wanda and Pietro. Well, not Pietro. He's like that with Wanda. <laughs> well, who <laughs> the like heck how, knows like where Wanda is? She's probably already yeah. been killed if they're getting away with right. this. Who even knows? Yeah. Uh, so he opens up like a hole in the ground because this whole uh, castle's made of metal mm-hmm. and she falls to the ground in this horror scream where she's screaming in terror because she hasn't figured out how to fly yet. So this is just her going down at the sublevels. Yeah. And then it cuts to the past still. And I thought it was a future. But then it turns out like she crawls out of the rubble and sees that everyone's just dead. Yeah. And it's like Genosha has been destroyed. And she like falls to the ground screaming and crying. No. Yeah. Which I know you'll listen to this and be like, oh, that's kind of like what happened to Emma Frost. But Lorna was also at Genosha when that happened. And like. Because they find her later in the comic books and she's just like totally like losing it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I was here and I saw everyone die. You know, yeah, it's pretty sad. Xavier is actually pretty compassionate or empathetic here, which is unusual for him. But again, this is a future where Xavier 
like his power <laughs> is like not what it was when there's like society, you know? Mm-hmm. And Xavier's like, Lorna, I'm so very sorry. And Lorna's like, the world was supposed to become like Genosha. Mutants were going to be free. That's what my father promised. You were all going to be free. And Xavier goes, listen, Lorna, I figured out how to time travel with my mind and I'm changing reality every day. We could go back to the way things are. And Lorna's like, that's not possible. My father's dream died with him. And Xavier's like, I don't believe that. I'm fighting for us, Lorna, for all mutants. And so I need you to release us. That's when Lorna's like, she walks away and looks into the distance. And yeah, then, she doesn't have any more lines, actually. She's just silent from here. Yeah. And then she turns around and just waves her arm a little tiny bit and Xavier's metal legs float over to him. And Hellion and Mara walk over and help Xavier put them back on. And he stands up and walks over to Lorna and gives her the helmet, but she doesn't actually take it. Yeah. And he's like, Lorna, as long as you are alive, your father's dream survives within you. Don't give up on us. And she just kind of ignores him. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I just thought that was interesting. And he just kind of quietly puts the helmet down next to her because she doesn't like acknowledge him or speak to him. And then he just walks away. I... I don't know. I really liked it. This this show does a lot with characters just being silent, which is really effective. Well, they did that with X-Men Evolution, too, and it's a lot of the same team, so I'm not surprised about that. Also, I do like that Xavier showed respect to her instead of, like, taking her helmet and then keeping it so he couldn't go inside her mind. He's like, no, I'm giving you the helmet to show you that we be good like I'm yeah. not gonna, like... It's kind of... It's interesting because it's, like, it is a moment where he went into her mind without asking... But it's also kind of interesting because it's as though she is just kind of like, well, really, I didn't want to kill you guys anyway. I just wanted somebody to acknowledge my pain. Yeah. And that's enough. You know? Also, I think that, again, you could read it as Xavier went in there and made her relive this. But I don't know, because I think she was I think she was just thinking about it anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I feel and about it, And then he too. just went in and was like, oh, this is what you're already thinking about. She's not depicted as being in pain or, like, collapsing to the ground. I mean, those are the things they show on this show that I'm always like, Xavier is a villain. <laughs> because it's like somebody yeah, screaming and crying. <laughs> Xavier's like rifling through their memories like honestly he, that doesn't happen too often in this show but X-Men Evolution was like literally everybody just screaming as soon as Xavier would show up it I was know. like it was really, wild like I, I was actually funny because I, I I was really expecting that version of Xavier to be less evil but he turns out to be the most evil of these three shows I yeah like, I actually feel like so really far unexpected. Wolverine and the X-Men Xavier is actually probably the most bearable so far <laughs> which I never would have expected but like you know he's he's the most relatable of the Xaviers because right. he's facing actual problems <laughs> like his life has <laughs> actual problems um, oh as opposed God. to just him going on the news and having meetings with the president and being like I'm <laughs> gay but I'm really rich so it doesn't really affect my life but I'm not going to tell you that I'm gay anyway uh, <laughs> but I, I'm su- a supporter of the LGBTQ committee not because I'm gay myself it's like okay Xavier <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to understand the Xavier. I, I wish that the moment with connecting with Lorna had been... I mean, I guess it, it can't really be fully consensual because she's so traumatized that she's not really like capable of communication in that type of way. Yeah. But I liked it. I, I overall liked it. I thought the complications of the scene were really cool. Like the fact that at first she wants to kill him and then ultimately she's like, I don't know if I care anymore about anything or anyone. Like... It just it felt very tragic in a in a human way that I liked. Right. 
I liked it too. I, I felt like it was good for Xavier too because it gave him the chance to sort of see what happened in the past and with Genosha and yeah. seeing seeing that Eric is dead too. Well, I think it's a good it explains why so many mutants are dead in the future is because they were on Genosha when this happened and mm-hmm. Magneto had so many mutants there, which is like a plot point in the comic books too, and it's it's tragic. And I mean, even in the current comics with Krakoa they make mention they're like we still have Emma keeps on bringing it up she's like we're still trying to bring back the nine million mutants that you killed back when we were finally being less in the minority and uh we're still trying to figure this out because there there was this really interesting comic recently during the Hellfire Gala the new one Mm -hmm. where Tony was being all bitchy with her because Xavier went and mind wiped (laughs) Mr. Fantastic which Emma didn't even know about and she was like what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And then Tony's like being all sassy with her and he's like, you're not going to share your technology with us. And Emma's like, yeah, there's still 9 million of us dead. And like, you guys did not help with that. So fuck you first. And then baby will consider helping you. It's like really good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, so that's what Xavier is seeing here. And, uh, and so then Lorna has her sentinel. She's created, carry them across the desert. Mm hmm. And there's going to be a bunch of sentinels and sentinel dogs that show up. And it's great because Lorna just blows them up. Honestly, like, they just explode. (laughs) It's, like, really great. There's, like, this dramatic (laughs) long pause where, like, they're walking up to this huge line of sentinels and wolverine bots. And, like, they're just like, well, I guess we're going to die. And then each of them explodes in turn. It's like another long, silent shot where it's just like, what is happening? I don't know. This this episode really brought the drama, you know? It was good. It's cool. The thing is that I wish we could have spent more time with Lorna in this episode. But I She gets such a good episode though. It's like so cool. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I don't know if there's anything you could actually cut from it at this point, because even the past stuff is pretty relevant. It is, it is. Um, so then as the sentinels are blowing up one by one, they like turn to the sky and see Polaris, and she has this like sort of wild look in her eyes. Oh yeah. Oh, we didn't you know what we didn't even mention that Polaris doesn't have long hair anymore. She's got a dike cut. Yeah. I forgot to say that. Everybody's got a dyke haircut in this episode. In the future. Well, they, we don't have time for long hair. Just gets in the way <laughs> well also everybody's here queer and ready to fight so there's that yeah pretty much so then after she's destroyed the sentinel she just flies away and bishop is like we could have used her and xavier's like no lauren is not a soldier magneto knew that he wanted her to only see the dream not the war let us hope that someday we can free her of the prison she's built for herself which yeah damn sad <laughs> it is sad it is sad. And I, and I guess I, when I heard him say that, I was like, mm, Polaris is a pretty good fighter in the comic books. Yeah, but that's this is a different version of her, though. That It is a different version of her. And most of the time in the comic books when Polaris is fighting, it's not even really her or she's going crazy. So, like, really questionable if she is a soldier or not. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think she's far more of a soldier in the comics than she is on this version of her. Where 100%, 100%. Magneto was trying to raise her in an environment that was free of anti-mutant bigotry. And that's really cool like that he was trying to create that environment for her but then of course it was destroyed yeah exactly i agree too uh, so there's this one final scene here which is actually like the most annoying and frustrating of the whole thing is that xavier calls back to logan and he's like hey because you got captured the machines duplicate your abilities and they can heal and they have claws and if they can replicate mutant powers and this is before the days of future past movie even came out which mm-hmm. is why i think brian Singer went back and watched this is such a brian Singer movie it's like let me look at like the fucking cartoon show yeah how right. about 
we actually pay Christopher Yost to write a fucking movie? <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh, whatever. Anyway, so this he's like, basically, the Sentinels can replicate abilities, and if that's the case, we're probably going to lose this war. And Logan's like, well, I won't let that happen, Chuck, because I'm the Wolverine, and I'm the best at what I do, and I won't let them get my DNA. And then he leaves, and Xavier's like... And it's like, Logan, they already got your DNA, <laughs> like, yeah. earlier today. Like, this afternoon is when they got it, dude. You already fucked it up, Logan. Like, what do you mean you're not going to let it happen? Oh, my God. So it's that's the end of the episode. Hilarious. The it's so funny. <laughs> I I don't even know. <laughs> Logan. Anyway, I'm giving this a five. I loved it. Oh, yeah. It's a five out of five. 100%. Which is like, whenever we see that there's going to be a future episode, I'm like, it's going to be good. I'm here for it. I know. And it's why next week I'm like, shrug. I really don't know what to expect next week. I know. I don't need to see Silver Samurai. I don't think anything's going to top the Wolverine movie at this point. Absolutely so. not. Absolutely not. Hey, maybe Yukio will be in the episode. Let me look that up. I don't think she is. I honestly don't remember this episode. I'm pretty sure I watched it when it first came out and got bored halfway through. So it's kind of like Ruh-roh. the Wolverine Hulk episode. But, you know, we'll have fun. We'll have a good time. But I want to say about this episode, I think... This might have been the first time that we've actually seen a very successful and clean cut woven story where it's passing between Xavier talking to Logan in the past and seeing how those two things um, affect each other. Yep. And I know they've done this before and it's not the first time we've seen it, but I feel like this is the first time it's been like really well done. I Mm -hmm. feel like it was just seamless. And even though like the bits that were funny with Kitty being like, Logan, are you serious? You just like got yourself captured still works in the greater theme of the episode, because in the future, it's so terrifying what has happened and that these Sentinels have evolved to have Logan's DNA in them. But in the past, it's like almost as a joke because they don't realize just like how this one little thing that Logan does is going to basically doom society. It's like just picking up on that tone of what's being put down of like logan cannot lead the x-men he is terrible (laughs) at this to the point where he like makes the apocalypse happen because he like can't just like stay put during a stealth mission instead he has to jump into the middle of the room and be like look it's me it's wolverine while kitty's in the background like rolling her eyes it's like really funny i know i know and i also don't see how they're gonna find their way out of this because by the end of this season somehow the sentinels aren't gonna be a threat anymore and instead apocalypse is but like at the rate they're going i'm like honestly wolverine's making the Sentinels stronger every fucking day like (laughs) why are they letting him leave the house like every time he turns around trask is like well that's more perfect data for me to to use on my sentinels it's like why why you know katie was watching this alongside us and she finished the whole series but like i remember her messaging me be like are they gonna wrap up the nine plot points they had started because we have like three episodes left and i was like i don't think they do yeah i know i know (laughs) i mean i did see some spoilers while i was reading all those interviews with people this week and i won't say what they are so i know there's at least some other plot points that are going to be introduced oh my god <laughs> why why i don't know let's just add more let's add more characters there haven't been enough on the show yet gene isn't even really back yet we saw gene in the hospital for like a second but she's not even really back so she has to come well, back that's because she can't be because if she comes back then wolverine can't lead the x-men because cyclops will be happy again he won't be though because she's gonna be all like phoenix addled and like not really capable of being a person and also she doesn't remember who he is i would love a season two of cyclops being like i can't choose between gene or emma and now i can't leave the x-men because of that although 
MX fate in the show is pretty tragic. So like, yeah, that I don't was, know. We'll get there. That we'll get was there. one of the spoilers that I saw, but I think okay. we already talked about that on this show. Anywho, we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, also, I want to be mentioned. I know we just covered it in the episode that all the stuff with Polaris was really well done. I think that was one of the best future story arcs of being like what happened to this person in mm-hmm. the future and being able to tell the story of what happened to Genosha through the lens of this highly traumatized survivor was really good. It actually drew some really good parallels between her and Magneto as Magneto is a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was just really smart writing across the board. Yeah. I really loved what they did with Polaris and I love Polaris as a character in the comic book. So it's nice to see them do something with her on this show. That was a little bit more than the animated series. Although who knows what will happen in X-Men 97. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I, I give this a five out of five for so many things. And also shout out to all the horror moments that they drew upon because I thought that was really smart and well done and well animated. I like the little nerdy things they put in for us, like the whole Star Wars reference with Xavier. Yeah. I enjoyed all of this. So he even falls to the ground like Luke does when he releases himself. So Yeah, but why didn't he have a lightsaber? Do we want Xavier to have a lightsaber? <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, like, that's the real <laughs> answer that I'm going to have. I mean, we could get Xemnas can have two lightsabers, but I still won't give Xavier a, a, a lightsaber. So whatever. Mm. Zemdis being from Kena Hearts for anybody oh, who does yeah. not know what I'm referencing. <laughs> I just assume everybody knows who Zemnis is. Um, yeah, and it's like zebra print cloak. Anyway, uh, that's the end of this episode. But it's not the end of us talking about certain characters from the episode. No, it's never the end of us talking. You have to listen to us forever. But it's time to visit probably one of the last characters with a lengthy character history because we've done most of them at this point. So are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's that X-Men? X-Men. <laughs> I'm doing it correctly. I, I like to do remixes like DJ Ryan is here. <laughs> Anyway, who's quick, quick, that quick, quick, the X Men? I, I like, I like, I say that as if I would be the one remixing the music, but it would still be you anyway. But like, you could do remixes. That's true. I could do it and then send it to you and be like, Maddie, what do you think of this? And you'd be like, Ryan, this isn't even music. Anyway, <laughs> um, Ryan, who's that X Men? Are you going to say who it is? <laughs> oh yeah, it's Pol- Polaris. Polaris, everybody. I usually pronounce a Polaris, but. Polaris, I think, is correct. I don't know. They say Polaris in this episode, so I'm like, I guess it's pronounced Polaris. We've been saying Polaris this whole freaking time. Yeah, so. yeah but nobody's recorrected us, so I guess it could be said any way you want. Like, kind of like how you could say magnet or magnet. I don't know. What? <laughs> no, Polaris. <laughs> tomato, tomato, magnet, Ryan, magnet. there aren't multiple ways to pronounce magnet. That's not true. Dude, you're wrong. People in Wisconsin call it magnet. I'm not even kidding. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> Anyway, all right, real name is Lorna Dane, and she has Magneto's powers, which is called electromagnetism spectrum manipulation, but I just was like, what the fuck? Just call it Magneto's powers. Created by Arnold Drake and Jim Steranko. Uh First appearance was in X-Men number 49, which was in 1968. Oh boy. Okay, so when Mesro used his psyche generator to summon mutants in North America, Lorna was compelled to travel to San Francisco to meet Mesmero. I like how Mesmero's back. Remember Mesmero? <laughs> <laughs> I do, because he's weirdly on X-Men Evolution a lot. So, yeah. I know. And he looks like Xavier. Yep. It was there that she encountered Iceman, who broke the trance by causing her to slip on some ice and convinced her to come to his apartment. At the apartment, Lorda met the rest of the X-Men. 
Mesro then captured Lorna and brought her to his desert headquarters. The Psyche Generator awakened her mutant powers, and Mesro named her the Queen of Mutants. This is interesting, because I don't know if she would have ever evolved into mutant powers if this sequence had not happened. So that would be a fun, like, what-if comic book right there. Yeah. Or if she could have had them in different circumstances. You You know? know what? Actually, I take that back, because part of her history is her causing her parents airplane crash with her powers when she's a child so i think she just didn't know that they were there mm. so makes sense. anyway um when the x-men go to save her magneto reveals that he had orchestrated the abduction because he claimed to be lorna's father uh iceman in the meantime is meeting lorna's foster parents who claim that her parents died in a plane crash similar to cyclops's parents there's just a lot of plane crashes in x-men mm-hmm. in the marvel universe there are just planes crashing everywhere and it's like all driven by corsair <laughs> anyway uh Lorna turns against Magneto, but only finds out that she was the one who caused the accident with her powers, and then she has her memories erased by it by Magneto and Mesmero. But anyway, <laughs> that Magneto who claimed to be her father also turned out to be an android. <laughs> <laughs> Comic Which is so funny because like, like later on Magneto is gonna reveal again for the real Magneto. It's like it's like so much. Uh, and at that time, Iceman claimed that he was attracted to Lorna, but Lorna was like, I'd rather fuck Havoc and not a gay man, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I like how Iceman's like, I'm really super into you, Lorna. And Lorna's like, I don't get that vibe. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not into you. Bye. Uh, Lorna was then captured by Sentinels until she was rescued by the X-Men. And at that time, Lorna joined the X-Men and moved to the X-Mansion. Lorna's first code name was Magnetrix, but she didn't like it. Thank God, because what a stupid name. It's pretty silly. <laughs> I kind of like that even in the comic books, she's like, what the fuck is this name? Uh, Havoc and Lorna eventually left the X-Men to pursue their own interest in geophysics. When the X-Men later fight Krakoa, Lorna displays the full use of her powers by disrupting the Earth's magnetic field, which sent Krakoa flying out into space. You know what? Have they ever revisited that in the Krakoa era where Lorna's like, hey, remember that time I flung you into space? My they bad. probably will. Like, that's the kind of thing that comes up because Krakoa is like a character and like the island can yeah, speak right. to people and stuff. So I'm sure on some level, Krakoa is like, I do remember that Lorna. And it was kind of fucked up. Like Lorna shows up every day and Krakoa is like, great, this bitch again. Well, <laughs> I think they get along now because Lorna like built that cool structure on the island and stuff. Remember that? Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, Lorna and Havoc then join Moira McTaggart at her facility on Weir Island. Wah, wah, wah. Get away from her. She's a bitch. Anyway, um, <laughs> I will never feel as vindicated as I do about Moira McTaggart I because I fucking hated her when she was supposed to be good for the first it's like 40 so years validating. of her run. God. All the like human allies who are just weirdly focused on creating mutant cures, all of them. I, I don't have a good feeling about any single one of them. Yeah, it turns out she's not even a human. I Good know. God. I know. They just did a whole thing recently where Proteus was so mad at her being like, you fucking lied to me. And she's like, yeah, I hate you, by the way. And Proteus is like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, so fucked up. But also vindicating for, for Proteus to be like, cool, I'm getting away from my abusive mother, finally. Seriously, because Proteus is on Krakoa and he's managing himself just fine without destroying all of reality. So whatever. Yep. Anyway, Lorna's mind then comes over to the domination of the Shi'ar intelligence, Davin Shikari, who is also known as Eric the Red. We did a spotlight on him way we back did. during X-Men the Animated way, Series. Way, way back, yeah. Another canonically queer character. He is the one who names her Polaris. She actually keeps that name, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say Eric the Red served to Ken and kidnapped Alex and Lorna. He turned them against the X-Men in an attempt to kill Xavier. A massive 
battle broke out at the Kennedy International Airport. Polaris was defeated by Storm, but Eric the Red escaped with both her and Havoc. Xavier eventually freed them of his mind control because that's how he was making them do that. Lorna and Havoc left the X-Men and settled down in New Mexico to finish completing their college degrees. They occasionally would help out with the X-Men on certain missions, but they were more focused on going to school, which is a plot point that I actually genuinely like for this Mm -hmm. because we don't see that happen for most of the X-Men. They usually just get sucked up to, to being child soldiers and then that's just their life. And the only schooling they get is at the Institute. Yeah. Where Lorna and Havoc like actively left and were like, let's go to college. Yeah. So, pretty cool. They kind of started to hint at that in X-Men Evolution because I remember Havoc was like looking at schools or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, during the mutant massacre, Lorna's mind was taken over by Malice. Malice used Lorna to attack the X-Men. Malice then permanently bonded with Lorna's body. After Mr. Sinister was seemingly killed, which when does that actually ever work? It's not ever him. It's always a clone. Uh, Malice's grip on Polaris weakened. Lorna temporarily regained control of her mind and called the X-Men in Australia for help, but they arrived too late. Lorna had been taken over by her half-sister, Zaladane, a priestess in the Savage Land. Great stories, by the way. I highly recommend it to read the stories with her half-sister, who's only... She doesn't live very long. It's just an interesting read. Mm-hmm. In the Savage Land, Zaladane had amassed an army and stripped Lorna of her powers with the high evolutionary's technology, which allowed Zaladane to absorb them as her own. This also separated Lorna and Malice. During the following fight with the X-Men, Lorna's secondary mutation activated. She grew in height, became invulnerable, and gained super strength and helped defeating Zaladane, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Lorna then went to Moira McTaggart to be like, what the fuck's going on with my powers? On her way there, she discovered that her second mutation also amplified negative emotions of people around her, like anger and hate. Mm. That is a really weird but cool power. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they try to address a little bit and the gifted TV show by ah. being like, well, you know, she's bipolar. So like she makes people around her angry. I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> anyway, um, Oof. where are we? Uh, so Moira could not explain Lorna's new mutation. Lorna then helped in defeating Muir Island for the Reavers. Cause she was already there. The shadow King then used Polaris as a gateway to allow him to access the physical world of the astral plane. The X factor freed Polaris of his influence upon defeating the Shadow King and the death of Zaladane. Polaris's magnetic powers returned. Psylocke's psionic blade also sliced out her increased size, strength, and emotion control powers, which is just weird but cool. Yeah. Uh, Polaris then joined the X factor. Havoc and her were set as its leaders, although their relationship remained unresolved. Malice then came back, and Havoc and Polaris were able to defeat her with their love for each other by trying to absorb her at the same time, and that prevented either of them from being possessed. I will point out this is like the third or fourth time that Polaris has been possessed and evil. (laughs) Havoc was then captured by Dark Beast, who forged a note pretending to be Havoc and said that he needed to get away from Polaris, which devastated her. During this time, Sabretooth and Mystique were forced to join X-Factor, X-Factor, like the TV show. Jesus fucking Christ. This caused her to question her place on the team. Shortly after, Havoc was mind-controlled to attack X-Factor. Lorna tried reaching out to him, only to be severely injured when Sabretooth betrays the team. I feel like Havoc and Polaris are just, like, constantly, constantly getting controlled by other people. And it's like... Sad. I don't know. It kind of makes their whole relationship questionable if they're both manipulated, easily manipulated people and they like can't come through their own conscious being on their own to decide confidently who they are. Yeah. It's because they both have to come out of the closet, honestly. That would probably help. <laughs> what? You don't think Havoc really likes Madeline Pryor? I actually think he does. I Me think too. he does. 
But I also think that he's a little bi, and I think Lorna's just gay. Valid. Anyway, uh, after Lorna recovers from her injuries, Polaris forgives Havoc, but still rejects his romance. She also, I'm telling you, lesbian, she also agrees to join Havoc's new X-Factor team. Shortly after, Havoc supposedly dies in an explosion, and while she's left in charge, Polaris does not feel like she could keep the team together and disbands them. Later, Lorna confides with Nightcrawler that she feels like she's been followed and that she felt that Alex was still alive. It turns out it's just scrolls working for Apocalypse, because why not, <laughs> and broke into our home to steal Havoc's costume. Lorna learns about the Twelve, which is a team of mutants who are destined to usher in a golden age for mutant kind. She travels to Egypt with the X-Men to fight Apocalypse. Magneto is a member of the Twelve, and he discovers that he can use Lorna to tap into the Earth's magnetic field with incredible force, effectively hiding the reduced state of his powers at that time. After Apocalypse is defeated, Polaris returns to Genosha with Magneto to supply him with power, which she believes she was doing for the greater good, and she enjoyed the education she was getting from him on how to use her own powers. Hmm. Magneto attacks Carrion Cove, the last city opposing his rule, in order to gain access to technology that would restore his full abilities. Polaris tries to stop him, but is defeated. She later returns with Pietro to oppose Magneto's rule. Quicksilver is quickly discovered and forced to leave Genosha because Pietro can't just keep his mouth shut. He, like, runs, and he's like... All right, I'm doing a top secret mission. I hate you, Dad! And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but Lorna maintains a low profile to transport refugees from the war to other nations and to monitor Magneto's actions. After Magneto's spine is severed by Wolverine, Polaris steals a blood sample from his medical test and confirms that Magneto is her biological father. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. When Cassandra Nova's Sentinels destroy Genosha, Polaris is one of the few survivors, leaving her emotionally scarred, very much like Emma. Later, some of the X-Men return to Genosha and find a nude, deranged Polaris wandering around Genosha. She rejoins the X-Men, completely traumatized, leaving her with a darker, more ruthless personality, enough to allow her to kill some members of the Church of Humanity. Now, I'm just going to point out that, like, there's not been many times where Lorna has not been <laughs> dark and ruthless because she's been possessed. And mm-hmm. now she's just dark and ruthless because of trauma. The trauma is possessing her. <laughs> Polaris is then engaged to Havoc, but he breaks up with her at the altar because he wants to go be with the school nurse Annie. This causes Polaris to go berserk and she tries to kill Havoc. Uh, Juggernaut knocks her out and she remains in a semi-coma with Xavier doing psychic therapy, which we all know how that goes. Hmm. Remember Sabertooth's psychic therapy and how bonkers that was? Amazing. I can never not think about that. Polaris then promises to do no more harm and goes back to the X-Men. Iceman then admits to Polaris that he still has feelings for her and he's definitely not gay. So they date for like one week and then they like after two seconds they break up and Havoc reconfesses his love to her because Annie has left him. And Polaris is like, yeah, I wasn't really digging this relationship with Iceman anyway. It seemed a little weird. We never kissed. <laughs> he kept saying he'd had a big lunch and needed to like <laughs> touch me. He's like... Yeah. Just feeling um, a little weird today. Really bad headache. Um, I like have a stomach ache and I just don't want to vomit all over you if we like cuddle. <laughs> anyway, after M Day, Polaris loses her powers but avoids telling her teammates. Valerie Cooper confronts her and Polaris claims her power loss is due to psychological damage she's endured and she believes she's preventing herself from using her powers. She then leaves the mansion to search for her lost powers irrationally convinced that they lay within an alien named Dap, which is the seemingly twin to dupe. 
Dap then crashes to Earth and kidnaps Polaris. <laughs> Poor girl, always getting kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Okay, now she's getting possessed by Apocalypse. Apocalypse then takes her and transforms Polaris into Pestilence. She is seemingly mind-wiped and ingests viruses from the World Health Organization in an attempt to create a meta-plague. Wolverine then discovers that Pestilence is actually Lorna. She is brought back to the X-Mansion to recover until the former horseman, Gambit and Sunfire, come to take her away from the X-Mansion. She refuses to go with them and also quits the X-Men. She then leaves to search for Apocalypse in Egypt again. She goes alone, but she is hunted until Havoc saves her. Emma also notices that her powers are strange and mutating. After she is rescued from an anti-apocalypse cult, Polaris agrees to join Xavier and some X-Men to go stop Vulcan. During this time, Havoc and Lorna continue the relationship again. Lorna seriously injures Vulcan and Gladiator with her powers, but her and Havoc somehow get left behind in space. So Polaris then joins the new Star Dreamers, Alon Havoc, with the intention of killing Vulcan to store Lelandra to the throne. But they all get captured and imprisoned by Vulcan, so it doesn't really go very well. Uh, later, she is freed alongside the star jammers and havoc lorna corvus and havoc are then mind controlled again by aliens to torture and kill the shiar rachel summers breaks them free of the mind control and they join the x-men lorna then starts building a daughter-father relationship with magneto Launchot then uses powers to somehow figure out the truth about her parents death this is when she relearns that she has been the one responsible for her parents plane crash and during this time lorna rejoins x-factor but also breaks up with havoc Polaris then becomes the leader of X-Factor. Pietro is put on the team, but he's literally put there by Havoc to spy on Lorna because Havoc is just off being petty. It's like so much. Then Secret Wars happens. Magneto and Lorna work together and they fight. I don't know. They just fight. Not with each other. They fight for Earth. Secret Empire then happens and I'm not even going to talk about that, which I'm sure at some point, besides Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they'll do that in the MCU and we'll just be like slowly rolling our eyes. <laughs> Polaris then joins the mutants on Krakoa. She is involved with attacking Orcus. Polaris then joins the new X-Factor team led by Northstar, which is a detective agency to investigate mutant deaths. Lorna is then elected during the Hellfire Gala to be part of the new X-Men team. She is recently retired from that role because there is a new team that's voted in. It changes every year. We are hoping to see her soon, maybe in a continuation of X-Factor. That's what we would really like to see. And we will see more of Lorna on the TV show The Gifted, where she is played by Emma Dumont. There you have it. Lorna, who is questionably a good character, but oftentimes mostly possessed or just traumatized and still doing the same shit she would do if she was possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Polaris. I think she's a really interesting character, and I do enjoy her when they do a little bit more with her. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Green hair. Yeah, great, great hair. I, I love that both her and Wanda are just totally not insane. I'm not going to say that. That's not a correct thing, but they're very unstable mm-hmm. as is Magneto and Pietro it's something I love about those characters is I kind of love those unstable characters and not because it's funny I think it's just real you know mm-hmm. like highly traumatized characters have really strong powers and like how does that affect things I always found that to be an interesting story yeah I I really like all the new stuff with Polaris these days too I really enjoyed that x-factor run yeah I love that she loves coffee <laughs> yeah She's yeah. always drinking her coffee. I, it, it's kind of funny because I feel like since she started drinking coffee, she's been a nicer person. And it's like, it checks out. I love this idea that if Laris does not have her coffee. Laris was just really tired and she just needed her coffee. Okay. You know, they don't have time for coffee in the X-Men. It's always in the middle of the night that the mutant alarm's going off or somebody's invading the mansion or they have to like run out in their pajamas and like stop looking from running around naked. There's just always something happening. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I don't have a transition, but we got to talk about who's gay in this episode. The X-Men are a metaphor. 
tough one, I suppose. No, I just say it's Polaris because she's rocking that dyke haircut. Oh, that's she, true. And also, I also just think Polaris is gay. I'm sorry. I know they keep on trying to force this relationship with her and Havoc. That clearly isn't working. But, like, just let, the, let her be gay. Uh, that let could happen. Gay. Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> that could happen. Also, I'm kind of shipping future Domino and Marrow now, even though they just had one moment of hugging each other. I, I ship it. I think they've got like a nice soft butch badass thing going on. Yeah, Domino's also super gay on this show. Although I think at the comic books, they haven't exclusively said it, but she definitely she can be bi. hints at being bisexual. I mean, like, look at her. It's Domino, man. <laughs> Listen, she's up all night to get lucky, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Doesn't matter who. <laughs> it's mainly just the ladies this time. I'm I'm thinking about it. Nobody else has really come to mind. Well, there's Xavier who thinks that his boyfriend's alive for a hot second. That's true. He does and think Eric is alive and he's, he's sad. And, and the way that he talks about Magneto in the past, it does, like, once again, make it seem like they were dating. There's a lot of queer coding in the episode in terms of, like, that... I talked about it earlier with the whole piece of... Of if it was the mutants politics are really bad oh no it wasn't this episode i'm thinking about the last episode just kidding okay never mind that <laughs> i was thinking of the episode that i was talking about with magneto and senator kelly and right, how politics yeah. got worse that was in the previously on the x-men thing uh, so technically in the episode by me talking about it <laughs> anyway uh, that's who's gay. Polaris is gay. Write into us at themutantages at gmail.com or join our Discord if you also want to discuss whether or not Polaris is gay. I think that's a conversation to be had. And who would you ship her with? Like, let's just assume it totally works out between Havoc and Madeline Pryor because where could they go wrong? You know what? Those two are good for each other, though, because they're both nuts. They are. But we've talked about on this show before. We're like, you you pulled up archive of our, of our own, and I think they were shipping Lorna with Kitty. And I was like, I don't know how we got there. Were they? Wow. Okay. I need to look this up again. I don't think I've looked up archive of our own for this show yet. Have I? No. Okay. Well, I'm doing it now. No, not for this show, but we're just talking about in general from the comic books. We're like, who is Polaris typically put with? And we saw Kitty a lot, which Mm. makes sense because Kitty is canonically bisexual. But I was going to say Siren for a second, but actually I'm going to go ahead and say that Siren reads as pretty straight to me, which is weird because I think most characters aren't straight, but that's kind of the vibe I get from her. But if we really wanted to go out on a limb, and I don't know how this works because I think there's too much of an age difference, but I think personality-wise, I think her and Laura would work really well. I could see that. I still kind of see Laura as gay, but I know she was like had a relationship with Sync that she doesn't remember anymore because she's Wolverine. So, you know, my memories. <laughs> and Wolverine also can't remember her as past relationships. It's kind of classic, honestly. <laughs> What are you finding there? Did you find anything good? It's kind of hard to find fix about Polaris. I'm not really finding anything. Well, all right, listeners, this is important. We actually want you to write in or chat in our Discord in the lesser question section and let us know who you think Polaris could be hooked up with. That's not Havoc. Obviously, this is open to like straight relationships too, but I'm more interested in hearing the queer ones personally. So mm-hmm. her and Ballas. What if her and Ballas had like that would actually check out. Ballas is a girl. Yeah, I I finally found the tag. So people usually do Lorna Dane as the tag. This is clearly distracting me. I needed to not start looking for this while we're recording the show. <laughs> no, this is important for the mutant ages. Everybody appreciates it. all the hard work you're doing right now, going on our cover of our own and doing God's work here. So mm. 
Are you finding anything though? Or is it just like Lorna Dane walking to the coffee shop? They've run out of her favorite coffee, which is a caramel macchiato at Starbucks. So she blows up Starbucks and goes on a killing spree. So far, all I'm finding is just fan fictions that have Lorna as a character in them. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a fic that ships her with Peter Parker. I gotta admit, I wouldn't have expected that. <laughs> yeah, are we counting non-mutant characters now? <laughs> like what? Apparently so. <laughs> it doesn't seem oh like that God. many people are out here like writing Lorna fix. I, I guess she's well, just we not... gotta change that. Oh wow. Okay, this is actually a threesome between Lorna, Jubilee, and Peter Parker. I what? need to what? read this because I don't I know if don't I need to read that. Know what's going on with that? <laughs> You gotta love fan fiction. By the way, have you ever followed that Twitter account that's fan fiction quotes? It's like the funniest shit I've ever read in my life. Isn't that the account from which the Obama chuckled, you mean the Chaos Emeralds, is like originally yes. from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Called, okay, go on Twitter, everyone. It's fanfiction underscore TXT. They post pretty frequently. I don't know who's sitting here and reading all these or if somebody's sending them to them. It will be clips that they've pulled from fan fiction like like a quote from it or from a review or from a summary of it and okay the third one down literally says emma frost is no longer an evil slut that is the description of a story (laughs) above that it says after the war 12 years ago there are a very small number of female jedi left alive because of this many male jedi want to fuck those few female ones that's the story (laughs) i love it i love it oh my god don't follow this account everyone (laughs) anyway that's it. That's all I gotta say about this. Oh man, Ooh. fan fiction time. We should really plug our way we out. We should here. plug our way out of here. Um. So next week's episode is called Code of Conduct. It's episode seventeen. We are plugging along on this show, and you should plug in this URL: sciencescene.net. That's right. <laughs> Didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Also, www.themutantages.com takes you to the same place. That's right. Mutantages.com, themutantages.com. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) God, there's like nobody in this next episode. It's like literally Logan. And the Silver Samurai just punching each other into oblivion forever. uh, Rogue. And then then it says like a Yakuza leader. Mariko. Mariko's in it. Mariko. Oh, this is good. Maybe you'll... Okay. Maybe you'll respect that. Oh, it's Gwendolyn Yao playing that character, too. Mm-hmm. That's cool, too. Yeah. All right. Um, Yao, I think that was actually pronounced. Sorry. Maybe we'll actually enjoy this a little bit more, because remember the episode of X-Men, the animated series, that Lady Deathstrike in the place of Mariko, and it just made us feel insane? I mean, I don't know how I'm going to feel because this show doesn't necessarily have canon for Wolverine's life that makes sense. So I'm not going <laughs> All right. to make don't any assumptions. All right. fair, I'm going in enough. completely neutral. Uh, but you do not have to be completely neutral when you write into our show. You can share your opinions. You can write to themutantages at gmail.com. You can join our Discord. Let us know who you think Polaris should date. Yeah, let us know what you think about Polaris and if you like her and who should she date. And leave us a voicemail at 1508-319-1668 or send us a postcard or any other type of physical mail to P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760 or just, you know, hit us up on social media. We're all over the internet. We're talking Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok. We're the mutant ages on all those places. I am individually there at Mitty Myers, and so is Ryan. Yeah, I'm at Ryan Pagella on Twitter and at Ryan.pagella on Instagram. 
I'm also Ryan Pagella Theme Park and Adventures on YouTube. I just hit 1,000 subscribers a couple Yay. weeks ago. It was really exciting for me. It was a big monumental moment. Um, so please go check that out. Alongside my Twitch channel, where I play all sorts of games. I'm finishing up Kingdom Hearts right now. You know, this game in which you get to the end of the world and Goofy explains the apocalypse. I love you. that part so much. <laughs> it's so good. So good. But you can also hop over to the Mutant Ages YouTube channel where we do play video games there also, but they are X-Men video games. And sometimes we take clips from this show and we match it up with clips from the cartoons and the movies and you can enjoy that. And on top of that, we will post other parody videos on there as well. We're getting to the holidays pretty soon. You could pull up that Scott Summers and Gene Gray do a cooking show together played by yours truly. So there's lots of stuff out there you can go check out. Did we talk about social media? No, we did. You already said that. No, we did. We did. Um, but we didn't talk about all the ways you could support us. Uh, we have a store where we sell T-shirts and bags and all kinds of stuff. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the mutant ages, where we have bonus podcast episodes, uh, copies of my soundtracks that I make for our shows and behind the scenes stuff, blooper reels and our highest tier Patreon supporters. They get a shout out on the show. That's right. They do. Um, <laughs> Samuel B. Soren B. Zach S. Thank you for being the only survivors of Genosha. <laughs> I appreciate you. And uh, now I'm going to kill Xavier! <laughs> Finally, somebody had to do it. It's really too bad she didn't manage to pull it off in this episode. No, I know, right? Uh, oh, my God. Oh, well. Um, We love you, Lorna. And we do. We love all of you, too. We love all of you. And even if you can't afford to support the show, we love you very much. But we would strongly encourage you to leave us a review because that is how people find podcasts. It's kind of weird. But like that is apparently like a way that podcasts get surfaced is like reviews and ratings. So whatever. And if they are five star ratings, it yeah, gets up there. It like really need- matters if it's five stars. I don't know. Um, and... <laughs> Look, it does. I don't know why these things matter so much, but they do. So please help us become wildly successful so that Marvel calls us and begs us to write a a Wolverine Disney Plus show. Even though on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell it's called now, finding (laughs) where the reviews even are is like ridiculously hard. I was like, I spent like 20 minutes the other day trying to navigate that. And I was like, why do we even have reviews if you're not going to show them to us? (laughs) (laughs) It's easier to see on like the iOS app. Yeah, yeah, it is. For what it's worth. And I think that's probably how most people are searching for podcasts is probably on their phone. So right. people will probably see it there. That's true. But we appreciate the reviews. It helps us a lot. But let's say you already wrote a review and you want to help us out still, but you can't afford to pay us. Please share the show with your friends and on yeah. your personal social media. And check out our store too. Yeah. I don't think you mentioned that. We I post did, but it's all okay. sorts of fun things. <laughs> Well, go to the store anyway. Listen, it's nice out. I'm ready to go give Lyra a bath, and then I'm going to go to an escape room. So it's going to be a fun day. Cool. I'm going to get locked up in a room with Logan, and we have to escape. <laughs> but like, we don't escape for some reason, because it's just, they gave us an hour, and we just fucked the whole time. So That sounds pretty fun, as long as Logan doesn't start panicking. Yeah, right. And forget who you are. <laughs> 
God, can you imagine if the escape room was like a science facility <laughs> oh and it's like God. the X-Men go there to do it for fun and Logan just immediately has a panic attack and it's like banging down the walls. By the way, you don't, you're never actually locked on the escape room. If you want to get out, you just open the door and leave. They don't actually lock you in there. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just role playing. But like Logan, <laughs> I feel like that's a fan fiction that you and Katie would write it would be like all of you going to an escape room with Logan. And he like, he's like destroying the escape room and then at the end, Rogue's just like, Logan, and just opens the door and he just like <laughs> calmly walks out of it. And then meanwhile, the owners of the escape room are like, what happened here? And then Warren just quietly hands them a check for a million dollars and they leave. <laughs> oh my God. God, I love the X-Men so much, everybody. They are They're wonderful. The and we every will way. see you next time. See you next time with our beast Teddy Ruxpin. Oh my Bye. God. Bye. What is that song? Is that the Jetsons? What am I singing? Wait, what was that song? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, can you sing it again? <laughs> what is that? Oh, you know what that is a song, but I don't know what it is. It's not the Jetsons. Okay, the Jetsons like me, George Jetson. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? What? It's like a cartoon. Can can Shazam work if you do no, it and you're like? Because I don't have. It's more like the rhythm that I have. I don't really have the notes. Anyway, it'll come to me. It'd be really funny if like we like record this and it's just you opening up going. I'm not including this. And then you're like, listeners, what is this song I'm singing? Because I don't know what it is. And the listeners are like, you're not singing this song. That's why. Screaming at me to sing the Rescue Rangers theme song, and I'm like, Ryan, I don't know it, and you just keep screaming at me to sing it. And then meanwhile, I don't sing it correctly. Wait, hold on. Do you remember during Warcraft Valley? Oh, you may have not been in the room when it happened, but we were like making Steph's crown and like the piano was in there. And so I don't know who was playing on the piano. Probably Cal. Probably me. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, somebody was like playing a song on the the piano, probably like chopsticks. And I was like, it sounds like that Super Mario song that goes and Cal was like, right, that wasn't a song. That isn't a song. I actually don't even know what song that is. It's the one from Okay. I got the rhythm correct, but Super Mario Brothers 3, when it's like you know that second song that's like the Outworld song? It's like do 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 do. Except I didn't like change. You didn't sing that. Did the same note in monotone. So it's like da 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 Oh my god, I love us. <laughs>